Welcome to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman is a New York Times bestselling author and visionary who has written over 37 books spanning four decades on nutrition and healthy living. For more information, check out annelouise.com. This episode of First Lady of Nutrition podcast is brought to you by Purity Coffee. Anne Louise recommends Purity Coffee because of their proprietary roasting method, which gives Purity 65% higher levels of antioxidants than any other organic coffees. Go to puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. And now your host, nutrition, diet, detox, and environmental visionary and the first lady of nutrition, Anne Louise Gittleman. Hi, everyone. Anne Louise Gittleman here for First Lady of Nutrition podcast. I'd like you all to visit annelouise.com where my website has actually undergone a facelift. And today I'd like you to give a wholehearted welcome to Tamara Rubin, who is known as the Lead Safe Mama. She's an internationally recognized, multiple award-winning lead poisoning prevention advocate whose children were poisoned by lead in 2005. Welcome, Tamara Rubin. Tamara Rubin, you're known as Lead Safe Mama. Would you tell me your story and what happened in 2005? Sure. Uh, we decided to repaint our historic home in Portland, Oregon. It was in a neighborhood that was fairly high end of the time where lots of Nike executives and other wealthy people lived. We had a tiny house on the fancy street, so we weren't wealthy, but we had a nice house. Um, it was on the historic register built in either 1914 or 1917, depending on which records you looked at. And we noticed that the homeowners of the high-end homes, the 1 million plus homes, were using this contractor to repaint their homes. And we said, wow, if, if, he's, if he's working on these really fancy homes, then we should choose him because he seems to be doing a really good job. So we hired him to repaint our home and we asked for references and he was a you know licensed business with lots of guys in matching shirts and trucks with his logo on it. And we assumed he was a legitimate business who knew how to use lead safe work practices and working on older homes because he was working on so many older homes in the neighborhood. And later we learned that he didn't know how to use lead safe work practices, that when he told us he was certified for working on historic homes, it turned out he wasn't. He had failed the certification exam twice. And oh the way, my goodness. Yeah. And the way we found this out was because our children were acutely lead poisoned as a result of the work he did. And how did you know that? What were their symptoms? Well, and I'd like to preface this by the fact by, that most children who have lead poisoning don't have any symptoms. So the most common symptom of lead poisoning is no symptoms at all. But my children were acutely lead poisoned by inhaling lead contaminated fumes from a contractor using an open flame torch to burn paint off the exterior of our home. And those fumes seeped into our home and the kids were immediately acutely poisoned. But I didn't know it at the time because I thought the guy was using lead safe work practices. So my kids' symptoms were unusual for lead poisoning. They had gastrointestinal distress. They were vomiting and had diarrhea alternating with constipation. They had headaches. My infant at the time, he was seven months old when he was poisoned. He had just started to try solids. He refused to eat solids after that incident for another almost two and a half years. Um, my older son was constantly holding his head in pain. He was about three years old at the time and, and he, he couldn't articulate that he had a headache, but he was constantly pressing on his head. Um, and 
then also he had uh, significant speech regression, my three-year-old. He had been speaking and stopped speaking and lost a lot of his vocabulary. We didn't really <laughs> identify that till later. And then the, the main issue is that we had these symptoms and we contacted our doctor repeatedly, um, almost daily. I would call the pediatric hotline and then the doctors and nurses would say, oh, don't worry about it. Your kids don't have a fever. Um, so just keep them hydrated. It's probably no, no concern. And that went on for months and months until one day there was an incident where my son had had explosive diarrhea in bed when, and I woke up, we woke up and found him covered head to toe. Wow. Um, and I said, I called the doctor. I said, this has gone on for two months. I can't stand this anymore. Tell me what's wrong with my kid. This is not normal. I, I mean, my older son at the time was nine years old. So I'd already been a parent for nine years and never had a situation like this. So the doctor ran every test they could think of and they almost ran the lead test as an afterthought. They really weren't concerned about lead exposure. And they tested my older child, um, AJ, and they found out that he was positive for lead, but he was, and I'm doing my air quotes on this, he was only a blood level four. So they sent back a report, which we got a couple of weeks later, I think. And it said, okay, with a four circled and a big letter O, letter K. Um, and I'm like, wait a second, if my four-year-old, I mean, my sorry, if my three-year-old has a blood level four, how is that okay? And where did that lead come from? And shouldn't we like get my baby checked too? Cause he has similar symptoms and they refused to test him cause they didn't want to do a venous draw on an infant. And after a couple months I insisted and they finally tested Avi. And at that point he was almost 10 months old. And we got a call later the same day of his test. And they said, your child has acute high lead poisoning and you need to move out of your house immediately. Oh, um, my God. In that moment, I was in the bath with him because he was a baby and solely nursing and his GI distress was so extreme that we spent a lot of time where I would be like laying naked in the bath with him laying naked tummy to tummy on my on my chest with surrounded by the warm water. And that was like the only way I could get him to sleep. That was the only way I could get him to nurse because his stomach hurt him so much all the time. And so um, I said, oh my God, I'm in the bath and he's asleeping on top of me and our other child is asleep. Do we have to leave right now? And they said, oh no, you can wait till the morning, but just leave with the clothes on your back. Don't take anything with you because everything in your home is probably contaminated. And that was the beginning of my journey to learning both what it's like to be a parent of lead poison kids and to learning all about the inadequacies in resources available to parents whose kid, kids have been poisoned and also the inadequacies and resources available to help families protect their children from being poisoned, which is why I've ended up doing that for my life is making that information available and helping families protect their kids. So what do you do with a lead poisoned child? Is this irreversible? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of argumentation from the natural health world, which I understand you're familiar with, mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um, where when I say lead poisoning causes permanent brain damage, which is true, there's a lot of pushback. Well, no, it's not permanent. It doesn't have to be permanent. I'm like, well, what you're not understanding, you, the greater you of a lot of people in the natural health community, is that, yes, lead poisoning causes permanent damage to the brain, just like a broken bone is a bone that's broken, that when it's repaired, you see remodeling, you don't get the new bone back. So the brain can accommodate 
for this permanent damage by, in a way, remodeling, by developing the strength of other neurons, other pathways for growth and learning. Sure, it's but a neuroplastic the, organ. That's what I was thinking, but... But the, the neurons that were damaged, and they've I've seen actual slides from um, a doctor who is... Uh, has done some studies of, of primates and they fed these baby monkeys lead and then they dissected them later in life. And they showed how the monkeys that were given lead as infants, even at low levels, the, the neurons that were developing at the time that they were fed the lead uh, didn't grow at all. But what happened is the other neurons on either side that grew over, over time tried to connect and make um, fill in the gap. So for example, um, my son Avi is now 17 and a half years old. He's absolutely brilliant. He always has been. He had 130 IQ when he had a neuropsychological assessment mm. um, to assess the damage caused by his lead poisoning. However, with that 130 IQ, he also was diagnosed with a visual memory in the fourth percentile. So for him, what that means is he can't read or write anywhere near grade level. He can't, I'd say his reading is probably at maybe fifth or sixth grade level now and his writing is probably at fourth or fifth grade level. And he needs tools to bridge that gap. So he listens to books on tape. He listens to YouTube videos about science in order to learn the science concepts where he can't really read a book with any proficiency. He also um, is, a, is, a, is an amazing musician and can learn music by listening to it. So because he's brilliant <laughs> and, and because he has the resources that we found to give him to help him succeed, in spite of the fact that he was lead poisoned, he's managed to forge new neural pathways that help him learn. And like one really concrete example is, even though he can't read letters and sound out words in the way that they're supposed to be read, um, like for example, the word saint and the word street look the same to him because they are five letters long and start with an S and end with a T. Um, you know, they're, they're similar to him. He, he has just the visual shape of the word, but he has learned to memorize the shape of words. And he has thousands of words that he's memorized the shape of. And um, for example, the way, where that breaks down is he has a lot of trouble reading handwriting, but, but he can read, um, typed, you know, fonts uh, by based on the shape of the word. So yeah, there's there's ways kids can get around the impacts, but the impacts themselves are permanent in, in that in the same way a broken bone will always have that remodeling after it's healed. The First Lady of Nutrition podcast is brought to you by Purity Coffee with 65% higher levels of antioxidants than other organic coffees. Purity Coffee uses third-party labs to test for pesticides, mold, mycotoxins, and heavy metals. Purity Coffee also uses a proprietary roasting protocol that retains high levels of bioactive compounds and that have been linked to specific health benefits and is especially supportive of the heart and liver, which Anne Louise writes about in Radical Metabolism and Radical Longevity. Go to puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. That's puritycoffee.com and enter coupon code ALG25 for 25% off your first order. And now back to the podcast. So shouldn't pediatricians systemically and systematically screen for lead poisoning? Shouldn't that be part of an annual checkup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I, I go even one step further. Um, 
and and I've been talking about this other piece of it for I don't know, ooh, thirteen years now uh, or longer. Um, I think that women of childbearing age, when they go in for their annual Pap smear, should get a blood lead test as part of their Pap smear screening. They're already there for an annual screening. If they use a finger stick um, lead care two in the office, it costs seven dollars for a blood lead test to be done. And if a woman knows in advance of getting pregnant that there's lead in her home because she tests positive for lead or there's lead exposure at her work, then she'll be in a better position to protect her child from being exposed. Wasn't there a 1978 ban on lead in residential paint? Not exactly. Okay, um, explain that to me because this has been phenomenally interesting. So the 1978 ban on paint only banned residential paint that children could reach um, and so, and, and it also didn't actually fully ban lead and paint. So later science demonstrated that lead was toxic to children at levels of 90 parts per million and up. The 1978 ban banned lead and paint at 600 parts per million and up. So it's many, many more times the amount that was known to be toxic, determined to be toxic later, but it was better than the previous, um, you know, lack of regulation. So when people say, oh, there was a ban on lead paint, well, there was a reduction in lead paint and it had specific restrictions that weren't comprehensive and the levels of this restriction were not protective of children's health. What about lead and gasoline? That was just outlawed this past year, um, which is like, what, what? I thought it was outlawed earlier. <laughs> I mean, I was just gonna say no yeah. earlier. Yeah, so the legislation outlawing lead paint went into, um, was drafted and implemented, initiated in 1996, and they just finalized the implementation of that as a comprehensive legislation this year, 2022. So what that meant in 1996 was they outlawed lead in gasoline for passenger cars that you can buy at most gas stations. But even 12 months ago, if you're like in upstate New York or New Hampshire, or even some places near raceways in California, you could find pumps at specialized gas station that still sold leaded gas for vintage muscle cars and race cars and other things like that. And there's still lead allowed in Avgas, the small airplanes, uh, not jets, but just the small airplanes. So that's a big fight that's happening now. So there's still lead in Avgas. There was still lead in available for specific exceptions to autom automobile rule until this year. And I believe there is still lead available for gasoline for certain marine vehicles. And that that's completely disheartening because you know we we know better and it, basically it's an atmospheric contamination wherever it's being used and again also we're just talking about the United States um, you can use lead and gasoline almost anywhere else and you can also if you can't seem to find the leaded gasoline and you really want it you can just buy the leaded additive and add it to your gasoline and you can do that um, in a lot of locations as well. So how many children are lead poisoned, would you say? And how many adults? Well, we don't really test adults, do we? Well, uh, the testing of adults is insufficient. Um, 
in my film, we talk about how- Tell us the name of your film, my dear. <laughs> yeah, the film is Misled, America's Secret Epidemic. And- Award-winning the, film, award-winning documentary. Well, it's, it, it, it's got, it got a, it actually hasn't been fully completed, but it won, a, won one little award uh, for a preview that we submitted for it. So not quite yet, but um, my advocacy work has won awards, but the, um, the film is still, still, nascent um so so in the I film mean, we talk my lips to god's ears go ahead okay um the, so the interesting um thing is that the cdc and other government agencies um language health concerns in a way that they feel will be understood by the american people they don't always language their public statements in a way that are blatantly uh, comprehensive and protective of human health, they don't want to scare people in some ways. So for years, they've been saying 535,000 children are poisoned or 300,000 children are poisoned. But in fact, if you look at all children under the age of 18, so anybody who's legally defined as a child um, in America today, the CDC statistics, um, the NHANES data, the EPA data show that more than one in three children under the age of 18 has an unsafe level of lead in their blood in their lifetime. And that's only looking at a blood level of 2.5 or higher. And that's 22 million American children. Mm, 22 too many. 22 million too many, yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. And so it's, it's very frustrating. And the interesting thing is the CDC is still quoting that number in the hundreds of thousands. And the discrepancy comes in that they're quoting the number of new cases of elevated lead levels in a given year. They're not addressing the fact that a child who was poisoned last year is still suffering from the impacts of poisoning. They're not addressing the fact that a they're only looking at children ages one to, one to five. So if you're over five, so if you're six and up or under one year old, they're not looking at those children. Well, and they're only looking at children that are over a blood level 3.5 at this point. And my children um, were under one year old, so would never have been included in the statistics. Or my son AJ at the time, they were only looking at children with a blood level 10 and under that year. So he was not included in the statistics because he only had a blood level four. So, you know, they find a way to isolate the segment of the statistics that they decide to report on. And that minimizes the concern for families and pediatricians as well. You the data, yes. Yeah. Well, they choose which segment of the data to report, and that's not okay. They cherry pick. That goes on all the time. Yes. Yeah. So you asked about adults, and yeah. and um, basically, Dr. Lanfear is in my film, and he he discusses, and I try and in my film, I try and have all the science come out of the mouths of the scientists who actually did the science. So it's not these aren't my words; these are these are words of scientists. But basically you know, we're all poisoned. That's true. So we just need to be there. Okay. We all have unsafe levels of lead in our blood in our lifetime. Almost all of us. We've learned over the decades um, that no level of lead is safe, even though, you know, 20 years ago, it used to be, oh, well, a blood level 40 and up is, is a problem and under 40 would be fine 30 years ago. But now we know that, that even a microscopic amount of lead uh, can cause negative health outcomes. And the most frustrating thing for me, again, getting back to women of childbearing age, is that Dr. Felicia Rubito, who is at Tulane, re released a report in 2012 showing that the average blood level of an American woman today was 0.43 micrograms per deciliter. 
so less than one, 0 0.43, and that that level of lead in blood, which she didn't know if it would have any correlative impacts on birth outcomes or pregnancy or fertility, it turned out that it did, and that even that trace level of less than one microgram per deciliter caused um, and was correlated with negative birth outcomes, infertility, low birth weight in newborns, and all sorts of other complications that previously hadn't been recognized. And when I heard about her report, again, 2012, like that's 10 years ago already, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be front page news. This is amazing. The New York Times is going to blast this everywhere, but it nobody covered it. Nobody covered it. So where else is the lead coming from? I mean, you've got a wonderful website. It's Lead Safe Mom, am I correct? Yeah, leadsafemama.com. Um, right. you can so, also so tell me where the lead is coming from. What are the most surprising sources of lead that you didn't suspect? Well, let's start with the unsurprising sources first. So <laughs> the, main, the main places to look for lead in your home and in your environment are obviously still paint because there's paint on non-residential sources, paint on playgrounds, paint in schools, paint on, you know, in public parks and structures, um, that sort of thing, paint on boats, paint all over the place that has lead, um, paint on bridges. So there's still paint sources that are a concern. And the main thing is, even if your home has been repainted and you have a pre-1978 home, there's still enough lead residue in the wood of your siding or the trim of your home to cause a child to be poisoned. Just because it's been repainted doesn't mean it's safe. So that's one concern. And then another concern is soil. And there are two sources of lead in soil. One is from people sanding off uh, the lead off of paint. Um, and another, I mean, the lead, the lead off of your, the lead, the paint off the exterior of your home, you know, power sanding and that sort of thing. And then another source is um, from lead of gasoline, from the decades and decades of lead of gasoline use when it was still being used for passenger automobiles. And so it was contaminating cities and contaminating areas around freeways, um, including, you know, parks and playgrounds and, and childcare centers. And then the, um, so there's, those are the two main sources. And then finally, you know, lead and water. Now, lead and water has been a primary source of lead in the news recently, but when you compare it to the health impacts of lead in paint and lead in soil, it's fairly incidental with few exceptions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what we've seen since Flint is that many cities all when, over the country. When was Flint? Was that 1993? I'm trying. No, no. To... <laughs> Flint was happening in 2014 to 2016, and it still is happening. So Flint is not over. Flint is still oh in it. Oh my year. God. And, and the problem is not just Flint, it's that that these same lead and water issues are happening all over the country, even in predominantly white and predominantly affluent neighborhoods. It's not just limited to low-income uh, neighborhoods where there's a minority, um, um, you know, population, and it's an everybody problem. And by the government and the media focusing on this and stating that it's a low-income minority problem, it helps to divert funding away. It seems like it's it's backwards that it would assign funding, but because it's seen as a low-income minority problem, they limit the amount of funding. Whereas if they really saw this as an everyone problem, the degree to that to, to which it is an everyone problem, they would immediately address it with a significant amount of funding that, that they're not currently allocating, even with the current administration's efforts to allocate funding for removing lead from schools. It's still insufficient. Hmm. 
What are the oh. unsuspected sources? Yes, and then the uns <laughs> then that's, I, how, that's how I discovered you. One, <laughs> one of my followers said I had to go to Lead Safe Mama because all the cooking pots and pans I was recommending were loaded with lead. So tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to hear what you were recommending, but maybe we should have a Zoom call after this, and I can. We have to have a Zoom call. Thank you. And I'll and I'll look. You can show me the things in your kitchen and and what you were using and what you are using because the, the problem is. Um, the big problem is we associate high cost with high quality when it comes to home goods, clothing, cookware, furniture. You know, we ass assume that because something has a brand name attached, that it might be safer, that it should be safer, that it doesn't have potential human health impacts um, that are harmful. And, and that's just not the case. And so it's really interesting to me because a lot of the higher end cookware items, let's just talk about cookware and dishes and things. Those are the ones that have more lead, cadmium, arsenic, chromium, and all the bad things than the low end ones. The inexpensive things that you can buy at Walmart and Target and other stores like that um, even the dollar store, there are several or many choices that are actually low toxicant profile compared to some of the higher end pro, um, brands like Le Creuset, Crate and Barrel, Pottery Barn, Anthropology, where those companies tend to make these consumer goods that are full of toxic heavy metals. Oh and my God, OMG right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then, and that extends, I like, I, I mean, I'm looking at your picture on, on our Zoom call here, um, your static picture. And I think you must have a purse. You look like the kind of woman who carries a purse. I don't know what brand purse you carry, but- Louis um, Vuitton, Louis, Louis, Louis. So Louis Vuitton is, most of it is highly leaded. <laughs> no more Louis. Goodbye. Yeah, Louis. I mean, if you look up Louis Vuitton on my website, you will see several examples. And the interesting thing is people say, oh, well, that's a knockoff. And I'm like, no, no, the knockoff ones are actually lead free. Hi, my friends. Before I go any further, let me take a moment to, to acknowledge my sponsor, Unikey Health, unikeyhealth.com, which is your universal key to health since 1992. I have been a spokesperson for this company for over 30 years. They're the home of all my weight loss plans, the Fab Lasting Bio Builder, which has been featured in national magazines. They also carry the ultimate brain support and the magnesium multitasker. So whether it's weight loss, internal cleansing, or just targeted health support, go to unikeyhealth.com. Tell them Anne Louise sent you. Oh, there we go. It's, it's the, the thing is the lead is added to the brass components. So the Louis Vuitton has some components that are gold plated leaded brass um, for the hardware and they're still leaded brass. They're really, they can be super high lead, like 30 or 40,000 parts per million. I've also found traces of arsenic in the Louis Vuitton. And then the crazy thing is that um, it's like a, it looks like leather, but it's not. It's a fabric that that's the that's the it's like a waterproof fabric that's the base of a lot of their their um, pieces. And whatever that waterproofing is that that is on those Louis Vuitton bags tends to have a high lead content, at least in the older models. And when I say older, I'm just talking, you know, 15 or 20 years. Those but are if the you ones I have, my love. Yeah. Yes. Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, and so if you invest, that's the thing. If you invest in a Louis Vuitton purse, you're going to hold for on life. to it for 30 for or 40 years. Yes, yes. Yeah, and you're going to give it to your grandkids, right? Oh, yes. 
Yeah. And so, so even if they're doing better now and I don't have, I haven't tested enough of the brand new ones to know that they're doing better now, but I think they are doing a little better. There's still this legacy product that exists. And like another really popular one that I was horrified to learn about is the Longchamp bag, which is uh, carried by, uh, I guess I was saying Princess Kate, I guess she's still princess, right? Um, um, of, of, of the English royals. I think she still is a princess. Yeah. So she- She's she, not the queen consort though. Not yet. <laughs> She'll be the queen when it happens. But anyway, she she's popularized this one brand of bag that everyone uses for their diaper bag now. And the ones that are like five or 10 years old tend to have high levels of lead in the leather. And the leather is the part you put the bag over your shoulder, then you carry your baby on your hip. And what's your baby do? Your baby chews on that leather strap. Oh boy. And, and that's not necessarily a source of exposure for a child, but, but it could be. And what we're talking about in terms of looking at consumer goods, we're not necessarily with all consumer goods saying, well, this is gonna poison you. What we're saying is, as humans in the post-industrial revolution world, we have many, many sources of exposure to toxicants in our lives, and we should follow a no better, do better practice. And if, if we can choose something that's not toxic in our choose life, it, and we it. should choose that, and it will lower our total aggregate body burden of these heavy metals, and hopefully it will help us live a healthier, longer life. And then the best and most important piece of that, it will help our children live a better, longer life and have more opportunities than we had. Tamara, in our remaining few minutes, take us through a tour of your wonderful website because people really need to spend hours studying what you put together. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's funny because people say, oh, it's so confusing. I'm like, okay, oh, well. Oh, not, not at all. <laughs> so so um, the nice thing is there's a little video in the sidebar of the website that shows you how to use the website. And I'm going to be updating that shortly, but it's a 16 minute tutorial. And what website has a 16 minute tutorial that shows you how to use it? Well, a <laughs> website with, with over 3,500 pages of information, most of which are information um, around the testing of consumer goods. So the way my work has evolved over the last six years, especially, although I've been doing this now, for uh, 17 years, um, is that my readership sends me things to test and they make a small contribution in support of deferring the cost of the testing. And I test these items. And that's why I've had the opportunity to test a Louis Vuitton purse or a Longchamp bag because I would never have those things, but you know, I don't know what's popular. So, so I, and then I, I write up the test results using XRF technology, which is the same technology used by the Consumer Product Safety Commission. What is it called consumer. again, XRF? Yeah, X-ray fluorescent technology and X-ray oh, fluorescent. Very official, thank you. Yes, and and it's the instrument I use. Um, if you bought a new one today, the latest model costs about fifty thousand um, dollars, and you need to be trained and certified in using the instrument. And so it's not necessarily always an indicator of whether or not the item is toxic and potentially harming you, but it's an indicator of whether or not there are heavy metals in that object. So on my website, I have the test results, and then there's a header menu where you can kind of explore some of the basic topics, which are the types of lead testing, blood lead testing, XRF testing, home test kits. And I think it's important to emphasize that the home test kits don't work for most items. I don't recommend them for things other than paint. They're, they're designed to test for lead and paint. They have a low threshold of detection of 600 parts per million. And as we mentioned earlier, anything 90 parts per million and up is concerning. So, so 
the reason I have my website is so that you don't have to do the testing yourself. Instead, you can um, look things up by brand. You can look up Le Creuset. You can look up red enamel. You can look up blue enamel. You can look up, um, oh, you know, Lennox and Wedgwood and, and Mikasa, all of these terrible brands that have really high yeah, lead. Every, everything I have in my house. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> Well, we, we definitely need to talk. Wait, where do you live? I'll well, come, come to Idaho, Northern Idaho. I, oh, no. Oh, well, I could. <laughs> I'm just in Oregon. So um, anyway, so yeah, the, the brands that you might recognize. So if you looked up Mikasa, you might look up Mikasa English countryside or French countryside, and you'll see these different um, dishes. And you might not have the exact dish, but if you have a dish about the same age with the same color scheme, you can kind of be sure it'll have a similar toxicant profile to the item that is on the website. So it's a fairly comprehensive website in that way. Um, and then on the homepage, there's about 100 posts that are the most popular home, uh, you know, popular posts that people check out. And then the top of the homepage are the ones, the top 12 posts that people are reading today based on whatever people are sharing in the news cycle. So like, I have lots of posts about vintage toys, vintage Fisher Price. I also have posts about fidget spinners and some posts about new toys, whatever people send me and I test, you know. Um, you can use the search bar to look up any of those items. The best way to, to search is using fewer words. So look up vintage Pyrex or look up Pyrex or look up green Pyrex or, you know, look up the pattern, crazy daisy or spring blossom green or, or butterfly gold. And, and, and you will probably find multiple posts for the item. So where do you hope to go from here? You've made a documentary. You've got a very successful website. What about a book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's on the that uh, <laughs> that's on the agenda. The problem is people don't understand. And again, um, if if you have an opportunity to watch the preview screen or the film that I've shared, um, the closing scene, I talk about how this is a lifelong consideration because I am twenty four seven full time a mother of disabled children. That's what I am. This is not, you know, my children still have permanent. Uh, disabilities as a result of their lead exposure and and it's an exhausting life and I, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone and I'm doing this so that you and your you know you can protect your children and your grandchildren from this happening to you and also so you can make safer choices for yourself but um, my plan is to write several books I have several in the works and I'm actually taking off November and December and January um, to try and finish one or more of them um, and so that's happening this year alone. I just looked up my numbers. I've had over 1.5 million readers on my website this year. So that's exciting. Wonderful news. Yeah, it's pretty, it's kind of, it's fun. I like, I like looking at where they all are and Google analytics says that they're in 200 countries and locations all over the globe. I and there's only that. like a couple places where I haven't had readers like the middle of Africa, North Korea and, um, and, and, uh, Greenland? No. Yeah. I don't know. The North Pole. There's a, <laughs> so, so that's a fun thing. So yeah, well, I'm working. They're missing out. There's no question. Those people in the North Pole. <laughs> well, I, I figure maybe one day a scientist will open up um, one of my posts up there and then I'll, I'll get the North Pole on the, on the map. But, but I, I think, you know, some books are coming. I'm going to be writing a book about um, the basics for keeping your home lead safe. I'm going to be writing a book about general advice for renovating a home and general advice for purchasing a home. I also have a photo book that I've been working on for a while, but it's been held up um, called I Make Women Cry and Throw Out Their Shit. 
Um, you might need to bleep that, but that's the name of the book. Um, uh, probably because, very true. Yeah, so it's gonna be photos of common items that I have tested that are high for lead and other toxicants along with the toxicant profile for those items. I wanna ask you a question. You obviously are a wonderful advocate and are very sincere in what you're doing. All right, you have a husband, I assume? Yes, I do. Be supportive. <laughs> he is so supportive. I can do anything I do without him. I'm so lucky. He's he's um he's kind of fallen into the role of house husband so that I can make this my full-time job. And he hates that part because he invents uh he makes bicycles and he has invented the world's lightest, smallest folding bike with the largest gear range. And it's, it's been on hold for a long time because I've been so um, steeped in, in this work uh, helping families. Well, the reason I ask is that oftentimes when there's issues with children and this type of a thing, when they're real controversies and real toxicities and real unfortunate circumstances, it affects the marriage, but your marriage is alive and well. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> we've been married now um, uh, 21 and a half years. So and he's supportive so, and he's with you and he's one of your biggest fans. Yes, and it's hard because it, it does affect a marriage. And, you know, it definitely has put a huge strain on our marriage, but it's also strength, you know, trial by fire, right? Very much so. <laughs> um, Very much so. And, and I know... I just want to say that it is for, for other families whose children have, let, are, have been lead poisoned, the financial impacts alone are enough to ruin a marriage um, in most oh, cases. Oh, I can well imagine. So the best thing people can do is to go to your website, Lead Safe Mama. Yep. And um, to look up their stuff. And what I ask, the best way they can support this work so that yes. I can continue to do this testing. Yes, and also- please. The, the main thing is that all of the information on my website is available for free, not behind a paywall. Everyone wants me to put it behind a paywall so I can better monetize my work. But I'm like, no, I want this information to be available for free. So the best thing that people can do is to share my articles on any social media channels that they're on and to link my site. Because the more people that read it, then I have advertising income that helps to cover the costs of the testing and reporting that I do. And, you know, it's a win-win situation. It'll keep this work going. And um, it's kind of an interesting business model because I'm not, I, I do tell people what to buy. Like that's because they've asked me. I have lots of uh, posts and articles about safer choices. I even started a, a secondary website called shopledsafemama.com that has only lead free choices on it. So for example, people say, well, why isn't the instant pot on it? I'm like, well, the instant pot has lead. So it's not on that website. So, you know, uh, I, I've trying, I'm trying to, in a low key way, um, you know, monetize this work because people have requested that I re recommend products. But most of what I do is tell people what not to buy, what not to use, what get, what things to get out of their home, um, because they might be unsafe, you know, and I, and I try and be very science-based and focused on my recommendations. So I'll tell people, okay, well, this particular dish might be leech tested and it might be safe, but this dish is toxic and will definitely poison you. I don't say just because something has lead, it's going to poison you. I try and, you know, always weigh the considerations based on age, condition, lead levels, history. I know of testing of any of the, um, items similar to that item. So, so, you know, my job, I feel, is to educate people and to tell them what to avoid in order to stay safe, although there are choices for things that they can 
purchase as well. Excellent. I want to thank you for being my guest. I want to acknowledge your wonderful advocacy work, and we hope to have you back when your books come out. Hopefully there'll be a whole series of them, Let's Save Mama. Yes, yes. <laughs> thank you I so love, much. I love this, because you and I are going to speak after we, we tune off. Okay. So, <laughs> so thank you, everybody. I'm currently in shock. Thank you, everybody, for listening to First Lady of Nutrition podcast. We're now trending all over the world. Visit AnnLouise.com and have a wonderful week full of happiness, peace, and shalom. Please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.